Hello and welcome to the Infinite Mystery Podcast. This is Rick Pidcock, and for this episode, we are going to be reading from Meister Eckhart again from the Book of the Heart, Meditations for the Restless Soul, and this one is called Sometimes You Have to Break Things. He says, It's true. Sometimes you have to break things if you want to grasp God in them. In the breaking, we allow what's holy to take form in us. It's funny to me how often I hear people say that something is clear to them. Just in my particular life, and and this, this shows up differently for all kinds of people, but in my particular life, I grew up in a very conservative, independent Baptist fundamentalist world, and we believed that the Bible was clear, that once you become a Christian, you're eternally secure, you'll never lose your salvation. And, and then we started seeing people treat others uh, harshly, and we're thinking, you know, oh, well, they, they can't lose their salvation. And we thought, well, that, surely that can't be the case simply because they said a prayer when they were younger that now they can do whatever they want and hurt people and be safe. And so we thought, surely God was not like that. And we started to believe that you can lose your salvation. And then throughout my high school years, I was terrified of the rapture and you know, purity culture and all of that stuff. I, I was constantly afraid I was going to get left behind and end up in hell. And so I started to realize, you know, there's no way God is like this. There's no way God intends for us to be this afraid. And so I started believing in eternal security again, but I definitely wasn't a Calvinist. And then a, a couple years later, when my grandfather, who was not a Christian, passed away, and I had not really witnessed to him, I started to feel guilt, like it was my fault that he, he was in hell and it was all my fault. And, and so then I started to, to realize, you know, I can't live with this guilt. And so I began to become a Calvinist. And that was the idea that God chose who gets to go to heaven. So really it had nothing to do with me. And And then I was there for the next 15 years until I began to realize at age 35 or 36 how my Calvinism was was really numbing my wounds and was not helping me to grieve them and to really process them and heal from them. And so really what what was happening here was that my intuition was sensing what God was not like. Surely God cannot be like this. Surely God cannot be like this. And, and as, my, my intuition, as my intuition was sensing what God was not like, as that was evolving, I began to evolve into a healthier relationship with myself and with my neighbors. And we see this, we see this elsewhere. I've, I've had friends that were you know, KJV only, and then they completely change their mind. You hear pastors all the time talking about the Bible is crystal clear. And, and, and we change on things. And that this idea, especially in my life, of evolving 
in response to what God is not. It's called apophatic theology throughout church history. And, you know, was, was God a Calvinist? Um, was, God, was God really revealing that you can lose your salvation? Was God a Calvinist? Was God, you know, any of these things that I evolved into? Maybe, maybe not. But as I was seeing what God was not like, as my intuition was sensing what God was not like, I was progressively evolving to a more healthy space with myself and with my neighbors. And I think about what we hold as crystal clear. Think about it like a, like a cup trying to contain the ocean. And you confidently proclaim, I am experiencing the ocean. But are you? Perhaps in a sense. But what if you began to realize as you're standing there with your cup of the ocean, that there's far more going on here than you realized. Take just the concept of hell. Many Christians assume that, well, the Bible teaches that all non-evangelicals will burn in eternal conscious torment forever. And they've never even heard of annihilationism. And then once they start seeing the verses from that that support annihilationism, they think, oh, that's crystal clear. But then they've never really heard of the verses that may support universalism. And then when they see those, they're like, oh, well, that seems pretty clear. Once you start to learn about whatever your holy book is, once you start to learn about ancient ways that people wrote and spoke um, you know, even like apocalyptic literature and rhetoric. You start to learn about the conversations that writers of these holy books were participating in amongst the religions and how that affects their view of things like creation or a lot of flood myths or conquest myths in these books. You begin to see how ancient Near Eastern people told stories similarly or differently, you begin to see how there were common themes and hierarchies, or how in, in the power dynamics that those made, or how the mystics saw common themes or patterns. And, and you start to wonder, is there more going on here than what you realized? What if the cup of clarity that you're holding begins to crack in light of the infinity of the ocean? And what if by breaking that cup that you're so clearly certain about, what if you can then begin to feel the ocean on your ankles? What would happen within you in your posture toward the cup or toward the ocean? And the reality is that you're not merely ankle deep in reality. This, this ocean of infinity that we call God is where you are living and moving and having your being. And so then, within that infinity, when you take a cup and you dip it in the ocean, how much deeper of an experience can you have of the infinite than when you confidently proclaimed that your cup was clear to you? What kind of presence or humility or love might that form in you? Sometimes you have to break things. 
And it's in the breaking of the cup where we can begin to become aware of how we're breathing in the wonder of the infinite.